Good morning, Grace. I love what the uh, psalmist said about worship in Psalm chapter 95. He said, Oh, come, let us sing unto the Lord. Let us make a joyful noise to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before his presence with thanksgiving and make a joyful noise unto him with psalms. For the Lord is a great God and a great king above all gods. In his hand are the deep places of the earth. The strength of the hills is his also. The sea is his, and he made it, and his hands formed the dry land. Aren't you thankful that the God who holds the deep places of the earth in his hands also holds us, our cares, our concerns, our future? He wants us to come in and commune with him and to worship him. So why don't we all stand this morning and let's worship the rock of our salvation. Thank you, Jesus.
Rosers, please come forward. Well, we're back from another whirlwind trip, this time to West Monroe for another state practice tournament where our quizzers did really well. Both had some great quizzing. Both Noah and Joseph were highest scorer in a game, and they both quizzed out in a game. Noah was highest scorer in three quizzes, and Joseph was second highest scorer in one quiz. We placed fourth overall at this tournament, and Noah was second highest scorer in the entire tournament. We can give them a round of applause for that. So we're about two-thirds of the way through with our season, and we're at the part of the year where momentum starts to wane a bit. It gets a little harder to push through day after day, and it's totally natural because, guys, this is a lot of work. They can tell you this is a lot of work. But as we've said time and time again, it is so, so worth it. So I want to thank you, church, for continuing to support quizzing. As always, we covet your prayers to get through this season, and we thank you very much. Well, thank you, Courtney. Thank you, Quizzers. Good morning, Grace Church. How's everyone today? We want to just take a moment and welcome all of you here to the Grace Church campus. Those joining us on Facebook Live and live stream, we're so glad you've chosen to make Grace Church part of your Sunday. I know the service will be a blessing to you. Amen. It feels good to be in the house of God. We've already felt His presence. We've entered in that open door with thanksgiving. And I know that before we leave here today, God is going to touch every life, every heart that desires a touch from Him. If you're here and you want a touch from Him, you're open to that. I know that you will not leave disappointed today because you're in the presence of God. And in the presence of God, anything is possible. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much, Grace Church, for your faithfulness in giving. You can give online. You can also give on your way out this morning at the, in the offering box in Grand Central. I want to just talk to you for a brief moment, and then we're going to go right back into our worship service. But there are a couple of important announcements that I want to make, a couple of things I want to put on your radar that are very important. First off, I want to talk to our, our parents and our students. Um, it is almost youth camp time again. And I should say it's the first, or it's, it's youth camp time, and we haven't had that in over a year now, right? Or almost a year. So we're excited that, camp, uh, that the camps have returned to the old campground this year, and we have an opportunity to do that. So that's kids camp, junior camp, and senior camp all happening in the month of June this year. So we're excited about that. So parents, I want to put this on your radar. Please jot it down. Write it, you know, type it into your phone, something. Pre-registration for camp, for junior and senior camp, starts tomorrow at 8 o'clock. So you can start registering online tomorrow at 8 o'clock. There is an incentive I saw on the website for the first 50 registrants. You get some perks and some things that will make your life easier the week of camp <laughs> when you're there. So uh, make a note of it. Let's get registered. Let's go. Let's have a great time at youth camps on the old campground this year uh, and so we want we want to do that it, is, it looks like from what I can tell on the website it, it looks like there is some limitations I guess with COVID and what have you it looks like there is some limited there are some limits to how many people can register and go this year so jump on it if you plan to go 
let's get it done and get registered. And we'll have more information to you as it gets closer on the logistics. The van will be going. Uh, we'll have all that information to you as it gets closer. And then tomorrow night, you have the opportunity to pray at home with your family, United Family Prayer at 714. Uh, we're, we're, we want you to be mindful of that and be a part of that. Tuesday morning prayer, as always, at 10 o'clock here in the sanctuary. If your schedule allows, please be a part of that. And then very important, next Sunday, we will be honoring all of our graduates in the service next Sunday. That's high school graduates, college graduates, master's graduation. What, if you're graduating in this graduation cycle, we want to honor you next Sunday. So if you have not already, please get your information to the church office, and we want you to be a part of that service if you are graduating. And then, gentlemen, don't forget that men's conference is also next weekend at Tioga on the campground. If you're able, please go and be a part of some or all of men's conference next weekend on the campground. Before we go back into our, our worship set, I'm going to ask you to stand again uh, with me today. And we want to just have a word of prayer. We want to pray for the remainder of the service. And then there are a couple of very important needs that we want to mention today. Uh, Sister Sherry Bunch's family, the, the extended family, has, has a, a need that they've, they've turned in, someone connected with them. It's, a, it's a, a young child, a little girl by the name of Adeline. And uh, her life is hanging in the balance today. And actually at this hour, they are asking all of God's people to pray for this child. Her name is Adeline. What happens in the next few minutes will determine literally life or death for this child. And they're calling on the apostolics to pray. And so we want to do that today. We want to call Adeline's name before the Lord today. Also, Sister Cassie has turned in a request for her nephew, Brandon, who also is in urgent need of prayer today. So as we pray for the remainder of our service, would you call these two names to the Lord? And let's touch the throne of heaven together. Jesus, we are here in your presence. We've entered with praise, with thanksgiving. I feel the witness of the Holy Ghost, feel the witness of your presence. Lord, I pray that your will would be done in the rest of this service, that you would have your way in our efforts to worship you, in our efforts to draw closer to you. I pray that your will would be done and that you would touch lives in this very service today. And Lord, very important, we call the name of Adeline to you today. I pray you would reach down into that hospital room, that you would guide the minds of physicians and, and, and of healthcare professionals. You would skillfully lead them and guide them in the path that they must make the decisions they'll make in the coming moments, God, and that you would be merciful, and that you would reach down your hand, and that you would perform the miraculous, and God, that we would say, look what the Lord has done, and that would be to the glory of God. I pray for Brandon today, that you would heal, that you would reach down into his life, and that you would do what only you can do, the miraculous. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Everybody say in Jesus' name, would you clap your hands one more time to Jesus in victory as we worship today. Things may be darkest, your light is greater, you light away, God, you light away. is rising, you're rising higher with power to save, with power to save. You keep hope alive, 
are today because we know whose we are. We belong to God today. The world wants to tell you that your worth is dependent upon what you can bring, what you can do. But we serve a God today that says that it's not about what you can do or what you can bring, but what He did for you 2,000 years ago. He gave His life for every one of us so that we can have that authority, so we can have that power in His Spirit and in His name. If we would just call upon His name this morning, He would fill every one of us in this place. We would see miracles. We would see signs. We would see wonders. If we would just call upon His name, if we would begin to just lift Him up and open up our heart, open up our mouths today, just cry out to the Lord. Cry out to Jesus today. Hallelujah, we exalt you, Lord.
got something to tell you. I felt I needed to tell you something. You haven't scratched the surface. You haven't scratched the surface this morning of what God is capable of in your life. You haven't scratched the surface. In order to do that, you're going to have to move. You're going to have to make a choice to transition from where you're at to where you need to be to see the power of God manifested in your life. Can we lift our voices? Can we praise Him? Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Glory in the name of the Lord Jesus. You have all power. You have the strength, Lord God. You are that strong tower, dear God. Blessed is the name of Jesus. Blessed is the name of Jesus. Holy, holy, holy. Glory to God. Praise the Lord. It is wonderful to be here this morning. Be able to share with you the only thing that's been burning in my heart. I'm going to read the bulk of my text a little bit later. I'm going to, I'm going to read a, a, a scripture associated with it first. And I'm going to let you be seated. Hebrews 11 and 6 says this. Without faith, I believe it's on, no, maybe not. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. Without faith. For he that comes to God, he who is making that progression to God must believe that he is and that he is the rewarder of those. You will notice that diligently seek him. This is a willingness to move into an environment that might scare you because you know that God is the rewarder of those that pursue him. Praise God. You may be seated this morning. We're going to pray. Lord, I thank you, dear God, for this day, for the hour that you've given us, for the opportunity, Lord Jesus, to know you better, to draw closer to you, to see your spirit and power manifested in our lives. I pray that you anoint this message and anoint the minds of these precious people so that they can progress into the place that they need to be. Everyone say amen. Praise the Lord. There needs to be, ladies and gentlemen, a conscious decision. A conscious decision by God's people to break the bondage of our past. The dormancy and immobility of our current positions. And move forward in faith into an environment, the place that God desires us to be. There has to be a conscious decision to do, though. God's not going to drag you into the place that he wants you to be. You've got to make the decision to make the small steps in the right direction. You've got to listen and be obedient to God. This transition must take place due to the incredible pressures that are being applied and and will be applied to the people and the institutions of faith in God. You are going to be assaulted by spirits and attitudes that are antagonistic to God, and we have to be ready. There's an interesting thing about us. We are living beings that are uniquely conscious of our environment. We choose where we want to live, and we choose where we want to grow. For many reasons, it could, it, could be, it could be simply the aesthetics of where we live. 
You just like the way the place looks. The topography in some way appeals to us. It could be the climate. You like the climate. That's why we're all here in Louisiana. We love the heat and, and, and we really love the, the humidity and the rain. And, and I especially like the hurricanes. How about you guys? I love that. Lord, forgive me. Could be the fact that we're near family. You have children or grandchildren that are nearby. You want to stay close to them. Or it could be that it just offers more opportunity, whatever the reason. Whatever the reason, an individual, whatever the reason you choose to exist in a particular environment, it is rarely, rarely, because that place provides opportunity to be dependent upon God. In reality, those specific places in life that you are dependent on God or, or normally strenuously avoided. Why is this? Because the environment of those places requires a level of trust that makes us uncomfortable. And yet, Grace Church, it is from those places that we find the promises of God fulfilled. What do I mean by that? I mean that God's providence and God's power is experienced in an environment of need and dependence and commitment. How many times have we gone around saying, I want a deeper, stronger, more vibrant relationship with God. I want to, I want to feel Him in my life, but I want to feel Him in my life when I'm sitting in my lazy boy chair and and eating after I just ate a good dinner and I'm extremely comfortable. Then, Lord, you can come right on in the first door, wipe your feet when you come in. And I want to feel your power. I'm going to talk to you this morning for a little while about the environment of promise. And I hope by the time this ends, there has been a transition of, in your mind that I'm not going to accept the place that I'm in as where I'm rooted and where I'm going to die. I'm going to move forward into something that God has for me because I believe that he does. And I believe it's necessary not only for you to achieve it, not only for you to experience it, but for the people around you to experience it and see it in you. We're going to read in a few moments uh, together a passage of of scriptures that will be the text for our message today. It's going to be found in Deuteronomy, the last book of the Torah. However, before we read it, we need to establish some context for the reading. And you know I'm a guy that likes context. The book of Deuteronomy was written after the children of Israel wandered in the harsh climate and topography of the desert, or what was called the wilderness that existed between Egypt and the land of promise. When that book was written... Those people have been walking around for 40 years. 40 years in the dust and the dirt, watching people pass and die as they went. This place of transition should have been a simple, relatively short journey. But because of faithlessness and the residue of captivity... 
This place of physical transition had to become a place of spiritual and mental transformation. When you start out with God, you had better not finish up in the same condition. They could not simply go from point A to point B. They weren't ready for that. They were not equipped for a life of faith in God when they immediately left Egypt. They weren't ready for that. They were not prepared for the change and environment that accompanied the action of possessing their promise. Think about that. When they stepped out of Egypt, they were not in a position to take possession of something that was part of their lives and part of their lineage, their lineage for over four centuries. If you're wondering why you seem to be in a spiritual holding pattern in your life, it just might be that God is preparing you for the work associated with your promise. The book of Deuteronomy is in, is in reality a speech given to God's people as they stood in a, a very important place in their lives and in their collective history. At, at this point in their journey from Egypt to promise, the Israelites were at a, they were at a nexus point of decision. Their minds were still linked to their past yet they were physically positioned on the threshold of their future, looking forward to where they intended to walk. The moment in time that our text is depicting, when we read it, the people were, were camped on the east side of the Jordan River, the, the wrong side of the Jordan. They were on the plains of Moab. They were across from the city of Jericho. They were on the verge of entering the land that had been promised generations earlier to their forefathers. They were on the threshold of something vast and valuable and intimately linked to their very identity. That is who they were. That is what was happening at that moment. An identity... They had an identity that was imparted to them by God and consisted not only of a name, but a possession and a purpose and a future. All of that is linked. All of that was linked to the reality of God demonstrated in their lives. I'll tell you something, being a child of God, being in relationship with Jesus consists of more than simply saying and simply knowing His name. It means that your life is linked to God Almighty and that you walk in dependence and in faith with your Savior. Our text this morning is in Deuteronomy 11, 8 through 14. Verse 8 says, Therefore you shall keep your commandment, keep every commandment which I command you today that you may be strong and go in and possess the land, that you may be strong and go in and possess the land which you cross over to possess, and that you may prolong your days in the land which the Lord swore to your fathers, swore to give to your fathers, to them and their descendants, a land flowing with milk and honey. Verse 10, 
For the land which you go to possess is not like the land of Egypt which you have come, where you sowed your seed and watered it by foot as a vegetable garden. The environment, Moses is saying, is different. It's not a place that yields to the hand of man as the same way as your home in bondage. This place is different. Verse 11, but the land which you cross over to possess is a land of hills and valleys which drinks the water given by God in heaven, the rain in heaven, a land for which the Lord your God cares. The eyes of the Lord your God are always on it from the beginning of the year to the very end of the year. And it shall be that if you earnestly, remember, diligently obey, my commandments which I command you today to love the Lord your God and to serve Him with all your heart, with all your soul. Then I will give you the rain for your land and its season, the early rain and the latter rain, that you may gather in your grain your new wine and your oil. What, he, what Moses was telling those people is, you won't be irrigating your own fields. You won't be doing these things under your own power. In other words, you will relinquish control of the fundamental aspects of your life to God if you're going to survive in the environment of your promise. There's something that needs to be understood this morning. The promises of God are meant to be realized. I don't know if you are like me, you keep a list of promises. But those promises are designed for you to, see, be, to be realized in your life. Yet the realization of that promise, whatever it is in your life, will often require us to step forward into a place or an environment of submission and dependence and commitment that is, that is uncomfortable and unfamiliar, but absolutely necessary. This is where we find the Israelites in our text on the threshold of possession that was that was rightfully theirs, this possession that was rightfully theirs, yet in their ears was the voice of that great man Moses. He was drawing their attention to the contrast between what they left behind and what they were meant to walk into. But you are never going, you cannot walk in to the promises of God and the possession of God carrying the baggage of your old life. You have to leave the artifacts of what, of what your life was behind to step forward into the promise of God and see it fulfilled. Why? Why was he telling this to those people? Why was he, why was he showing them this contrast? Because sometimes within God's people, there was a residue that lingered and acted as a barrier to a life lived in harmony with the Lord's plan and purpose for their life. And that residue, that residue was a remembered, comfortable familiarity with their abilities, their own capacities, and their own solutions. Ladies and gentlemen, we like to do things our way. There's a stubborn streak in humanity, a willfulness that wars against God. Moses spoke to a people on the threshold of realized promise 
and was trying to tell them that living in that promise required a different attitude than the one they left had in Egypt. We say we want to serve God. We say we want to have relationship with God. We verbalize a desire to know Him and to love Him and to follow Him. But how often do we indicate this desire with feet firmly planted in our old lives? Satisfied with with what's familiar and known, unwilling to move forward into a place of dependence upon God. We're fine with the idea of faith. We're fine with the idea of it. We don't mind if the preacher preaches about it. Faith and trust. But we would rather simply read about it in a book written by our favorite author. But then then cross over some rivers in our lives and start walking in the places that God wants us to. You see, the reason Moses spoke those words to those people is because he knew them. He knew them. The people of Israel, as they journeyed through the wilderness, often thought back with fondness to their days in captivity. Let me read to you from Numbers chapter 11, verses 4 through 6. Now the mixed multitude who were among them Yielded to intense craving, so the children of Israel also wept again and said, Who will give us meat to eat? We remember the fish which we ate freely in Egypt, the cucumbers and the melons and the leeks and the onions and the garlic. We remember those things. But now our whole being is dried up. There is nothing at all except this manna. Before us. I want you to think about what they're saying. Those people are looking fondly back at a life in bondage while they had the provision, the provision of Almighty God in their hands and in their stomachs. I know where God wants me to be. I see his hand of providence in my life. But I sure do miss what I had when God was only a concept and a reality rather than a reality. In that foreign land, in that land of Egypt, remember, that was a land that was not part of their promised identity. They had a Back in that land, they had a sense of control and normalcy in their lives. And we, ladies and gentlemen, crave that. They were enslaved, but they still had some sense of self-determination. They didn't have to relinquish that precious thing that we humans absolutely crave, which is the intoxicating idea of control. We love control to control every aspect of our own lives. They had control over the food that they ate and certain aspects of the nature of their lives. Their crops could be watered by the irrigation of the Nile River at any time they felt it necessary. They ate for generations by the sweat of their own brows and the work of their own hands. And ladies and gentlemen, that leaves an imprint. You see, Egypt was was part of what was considered today the Fertile Crescent. 
It had an ecology that could be manipulated by, the, by man's hand to suit man's purpose. It was predictable. It was a predictable place. Israelites learned in bondage how to survive. And I've got to tell somebody something today as I came up to this pulpit. You are not designed to simply survive. There is a prosperity that is more important than the material wealth that this world craves. And that prosperity is prosperity in the spirit of God, to see the expression of God's power in your life. But that power will not be expressed while you're holding on to the things that you were able to do in your own life. We are conditioned in this world. When we were set apart from God as to be survivors, we learned the game. We start playing it and we wait for the possibility of retirement. We strive to accumulate, to build edifice to, edifices to our own greatness and, and work to, to prosper within a system constructed to keep us separated from God. The idea is that it's, it's okay to be associated with God, to, to be familiar with the concept of God. But let's not get out of hand and start expecting something to happen with Him. I don't mind coming to church and feeling a few goosebumps. I don't mind lifting my hands at worship, but you know something? I've got to get to work. I've got a problem I've got to deal with at home. And the entire time, there's an environment of a promised land where God's presence is given to you, but we reject it because we want to do things our own way. If you want to see the power of God manifest in your life the way He does, then you need to start moving in His direction. The Israelites made a life under the oppressive weight of the world. And that's something we've done as well. They learned to rely on the methods of their oppressors. And that's something we've done as well. They grew their veggies, ladies and gentlemen, just like the people who beat them. They learned to function within the system of a world that was hostile to them. And they began to think like a slave. They integrated into a culture that was eroding their uniqueness and their identity. You're more than a people of just a name. You're the people of the name of God. When is it going to be that you stand up and start declaring, I don't know what's on the other side of my Jordan, but that's where God wants me to be, and that's where I'm going to go. I don't care if I have to depend on Him. For the very bread of my mouth, I'm going to walk in the Holy Ghost. I'm going to walk in relationship. I'm going to let the power of God be manifested through me. Hallelujah. 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 Glory to God. Oh. 
What is so disturbing is that every time they ate that bread in Egypt, made from the wheat of their own fields, every time they filled their mouth with it, they were in bondage. I don't care how good it tasted. They were in bondage. Every time they put that food in their mouths, they did it with the lingering pain of the whip on their back. This is the history. This is the history of that people who stood in the east side of the Jordan River looking out toward their promise. People who reminisced about bondage bread. A people who were recipients of the miraculous provision of God and in one point in their journey resented the lack of variety in their diet. What is, what is more important to you? What are our priorities? Do we want a stronger, deeper relationship with God? Or are we just satisfied with the trappings of religion? Are we resentful that God is drawing us into a place where we need to be in this hour? There is an environment that exists in a promise, and it ain't easy. But Lord... You're going to see some miraculous things when you step into it. They ate manna from heaven, but missed their diet from Egypt. Their minds had conformed to the expectations of captivity. I'm not a captive, ladies and gentlemen. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. I have been made free by the blood of the Lamb and the power of God. I'm not the child of this world. I am the child of Almighty God. And guess what? I wish there was a huge mirror here. Because so are you. Somebody needs to understand that and embrace your new heritage. I was supposed to be teaching this and not yelling at you. I'm sorry. I just get a little excited. Yeah. Amen. That, that wasn't really an apology, brother. I'm going to keep going. <laughs> Some of you are standing on the threshold of promise. It may be as basic as a relationship with Jesus. How many times are you going to come into a church and feel the presence of God and still want what you used to have in this world? How many times are you going to let the presence of God slip through your fingers because you were so invested in your own cynical ideas? You may be standing in the chaos of life, but it's a chaos you've learned to adapt to and cope with. You may be wanting that deeper, closer connection to God that you know is necessary, necessary for your future instead of the anemic spiritual environment you've become accustomed to. 
It may be the realization of ministry in your life and service to the Lord that you've longed for. Whatever it is, whatever it is. And I believe I've hit on some specific things here this morning. Whatever it is, I'll tell you something that you need to know. The promise you're looking for, the promise that you're looking into requires a different attitude and a mentality than where you're standing right now. It requires a willingness to trust like you've never trusted before. Romans 12 and 2 is quoted often. It says, And do not be conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. We use that scripture often. The scripture is often used to dissuade a child of God from appropriating the ungodly practices of our culture into their lives. And, and that's a perfectly fine application. This culture is openly antagonistic to God. But I also believe that it speaks to the potential effects that this world can have upon our willingness to trust God. Often the eventual rejection of the reality of God, often that eventual rejection, wholesale rejection of God begins with the assertion of our own capabilities as being sufficient for the complete fulfillment of our lives. Once you have walked into this, nothing else will fulfill you. We are beings that know how to manipulate our environment. We know how to do that. So do we in this arrogant position of hubris remain immobile in positions that are adequately familiar instead of yielding our lives and our futures to God? The environment of the promised land was different than the land from which they exited. Egypt represented a life of knowable, manageable conditions, and we crave that. But it was still a life in bondage. I don't care how successful you are in this life. If you do not have God, you are empty and void. It was a life of bondage and pain and ultimately separation from knowing the fullness of the Lord. This is the fundamental truth that Moses was telling those people on the threshold of their possessions. The land which you cross over to possess is a land of hills and valleys. It's not flat and easy. It drinks from the water, from the rain of heaven. A land for which the Lord cares. Not you. You're going to live in it. But you're going to live in it according to the designs of God. He was telling them if they wanted to exist in the place that God intended them for them to exist, in the environment that, that, that God intended for them to exist, they wouldn't be irrigating their own fields. They would be depending on God for the water of their lives. And ladies and gentlemen, we don't like that. We want to carry our own water. Let me tell you something. If you want to carry your own water, 
You can, but you're going to do it without God. He'll let you carry your own water. That multitude of people on the east bank of the Jordan were a people of promise, but not yet one of possession. Promises. Listen to me, folks. Promises are not the same as possessions. Let me say that again. Promises are not the same as possessions. They worked in the fields of Egypt with an identity that was promised to them of God. But it was unfulfilled in the place that they toiled. When they were muddling around in the dirt and the debris and the mud of Egypt, they were a people of promise, Casey. But they weren't a people of possession yet. They only became a people wholly in possession of their promise when they stepped out of their old lives into an environment where they had to trust God for everything. Their identity only became fulfilled. It only came into reality when they would step into, the, into a place that required faith and obedience. When I spoke earlier of our need, I spoke earlier that we need a breakthrough. I was referring to our need to break through our willingness to accept lowered expectations in relationship to God. Break through that idea that we can come to church and just give a little bit of praise and a little bit of worship and we've checked off the list and we can go back home. There needs to be a transformation in the body of Christ into people who exist in the environment of their promise. We need to stop accepting a spectator's view of our promise just because we're afraid of living in a place that might be difficult, one which requires faith and dependence upon God. The children of Israel had a concept of God. They had a concept of God as they irrigated their fields in Egypt. But in Canaan's land, they would see Him expressed and the water falling on their heads. How often are we satisfied? I want you to listen to me. How often are we satisfied toiling in our own fields in this world with only a concept of God? Ladies and gentlemen, God wants to be more than a concept to you. God wants to be more than just a word on a page. God wants to express himself in a manifest way in your life. You see, the children of Israel had a problem with looking back. They regarded their former lives and mistakenly thought it was a life of plenty without regarding the pain. The children of Israel stood on the threshold of realizing their promise. They stood gazing out upon the topography that was beautiful but difficult. It was not the fertile plain of Egypt, the place of recognizable challenges and place of quantifiable problems and the place of simple solutions. They stood looking out on 
potential liberty, but would not be free of the bondage of Egypt until they had trusted completely in God. Ladies and gentlemen, God doesn't want you to carry any of your old life with you into what He has for you in the future. I'm talking to somebody today. I'm talking to somebody today. God is wrapping His hands around your heart and He's trying to move you in the direction that you need to go. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh, blessed Lord, blessed Lord. Somebody needs to listen to God. Some of you have longed for a deeper understanding of God, for a more profound and dynamic relationship with your Creator. That deeper relationship is going to be found in the casual or the comfortable. Some of you have grown accustomed to viewing the promise of relationship from the wrong side of the Jordan of your life. Satisfied with looking into an environment of power and purpose and salvation and revelation. Yet you find yourselves procrastinating, deferring to another time your decision to walk forward into it. You have no problem acknowledging the truth of God. But it is a truth unrealized in your own lives. Because you remain on the periphery, unrepentant, clinging to an environment that you are familiar and comfortable with. Let me tell you something, ladies and gentlemen. When you give yourself wholly to God, and I hope you do, I hope you do. When you give yourself wholly to God, you're going to look around your life all the time and realize you're not in the place that you used to be. You're going to be in a place that you never dreamed of. It's going to make the good, the good things of your old life look like what they were, a place of bondage and pain. The bread may have tasted good, but there were stripes on your back from the taskmasters of hell. Why is this so important? What's another reason it's so important to understand? Coming in for a close. Eventually. Why is it so important to understand? We know that God exists at all times and everywhere. We understand that. Do we understand that this omnipresent God is often only expressed in the places of dependency and need. Do we understand that? When we feel that we have everything under control, when we think we have everything under control, we are ineffective witnesses of the power of God. Someone around us, someone around you, that person stuck in the fields of their own bondage, that person eating the produce of their own toil while the burden of separation and sin crushed them, that person needs to see the reality of God in our lives. Your fulfilled promise, your life of active faith in God, 
That's a beacon of hope to the world around you. This is not the totality of Christianity. These walls do not contain the purpose of God. You do. You do. The purposes and power and greatness of God is expressed through the vessels that He chose to fill. It's time for us to walk into an environment of promise. Understanding that it means dependence and reliance on God. And ladies and gentlemen, that's not a bad thing. tell you something else the promised land those few those thousands of years ago the promised land needed the Israelites in it because they were the representatives of God and that land was filled with cultures bound to the pagan practices that require human sacrifices that place needed them just like your promise needs you that world existed in an idea of some type of God. But when Israel walked across the divided Jordan River and marched around the city until the walls fell, that ancient world suddenly knew of the reality of God. When somebody here crosses that boundary between you and your promise and you begin walking in faith, somebody's going to see you. And they're going to know that there is a God who is real in this world. The promise, the environment of God's promise is not easy. But it is necessary to see His power. Babylon came to know the truth of God. Not from the intellectual influence of the Hebrew captives. The revelation came when three Hebrew boys refused to bow to a graven image and accepted the threat of the furnace. Why? Why did they do that? Because those men, those young men remembered a promise back in Isaiah that said in Isaiah 43, chapter, two, chapter 43, verse 2, when you pass through the waters, when you pass through the waters, Israel, I'm going to be with you. And through the rivers, they're not going to overflow you. And those three Hebrew boys remembered this sentence. When they were looking at the furnace and they had to make a choice to stand or to bow and live or to walk forward in this promise. When you walk through the fire, when you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned, neither shall the flame scorch you. That was in their mind. The promise of God was found in the heat of the furnace. How many people stand in the fields? You can stand. How many people stand in the fields of their own, of their current lives, burdened with the sin and the pain of their, of their existence, looking out onto the promised place of God, yet never step forward because that place looks difficult and it's, and it's an environment where you live by trusting God and not the power 
of your own hand. If you're ready this morning to make that decision, to step across your personal Jordan and begin walking in a life of, that's punctuated by the presence of God, in a place of submission, but also of expectation and faith, I have a word, have words for you from a man that stared at the promised land but walked across the Jordan. Joshua said to his people, Have I not commanded you? Be strong and of good courage. Do not be afraid. Do not be dismayed, Grace Church. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you open up the altars this morning, open up the front of this church. And I want you to make your way forward with a decision. And I'm not carrying anything with me. I know that I'm going forward into it might be a hard place. But I have to see the presence of God manifested more powerfully and clearly in my life. I'm tired of standing on the periphery looking in. I want to be on the center looking out. And you come forward this morning. I ask you to give yourself to God in a way that you never have before. To yield. Repent if you have to. There's no shame in it. That's you moving forward. Don't leave this place after hearing these words. And allow yourself to slip back into an environment where God will not be expressed. He'll just be a concept. Can you pray this morning, church? Lord, we love you. We praise you. Holy, holy. Give myself away. Give myself Oh